Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. It's the Steelers Standard Draft Recap Extravaganza, Extravaganza. here today. Uh, we're feeling good on a Monday, baby. Yeah, I really don't know are. how you couldn't if you're in Steelers Nation after the draft that you just witnessed Thursday, Friday, and Saturday over the weekend. I mean, uh, this draft had so much at stake and People in Steelers Nation, I think, were on the edge of their seat going into this for weeks because, you know, this is a team that really needs to draft well mm-hmm. right now in the current state that they're at. And really, every single pick, as you'll see when we break them down through this episode, the next episode that we do, you walked away feeling better and better and better as the draft went on. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, if you're a Steelers fan, you are heading into work on Monday morning and you're cheersing around the water cooler with your fellow Steelers fans. I, I know that none of these guys have played a snap of NFL football yet, but you can't. You have to live in the now, and right now, this looks like a home run of a draft class. Could all of these guys fail miserably in the NFL? Of course they could. You know, injuries happen. They're incredibly unpredictable. The jump from college to the pro level is the biggest gap in any sport. There is no bigger leap than from college football to the NFL. So even though you know you've got all these blue chip prospects, you just simply never know. As we're standing here right now on May first, I mean, you have to be doing backflips with the names that you're reading that were picked by the Steelers. Yeah, it, it was a best case scenario. For basically every single pick, Tom. And what I think what surprised all of us was that so many people who were doing these mock drafts were trying to work on the assumption that it's not going to go the way you want it to go, right? You had to err on the side of caution when doing your mock drafts and assume maybe just maybe you would just say, okay, Christian Gonzalez and Witherspoon and all the all the tackles are gonna go and the Steelers are gonna be left with Next to nothing at 17, maybe they could trade back and then trade back again at 32. But every single time, Tom, it it just the stars align for the Steelers to make the absolute best pick. I mean, one of the great quotes that we heard from Omar Khan and Mike Tomlin from this pack week from this past weekend was that they were looking at all three of of their top three picks at 17 or at 14. And it turns out they got all three of them, but at different at 17 and 32 and 49. 
And uh, I'm sorry, yeah, at 49. Unless you're uh, living under a rock and haven't found out all the picks yet, here's the recap of the Steelers' draft picks this year. In the first round, they took Broderick Jones. In the second round, they took Joey Porter Jr. and Keanu Benton. In the third round, they took Darnell Washington, the tight end. In the fourth round, they took outside linebacker Nick Herbig. And in the seventh round, they took Corey Trice Jr. and Spencer Anderson. Every single one of those guys just seems like big nasty dudes and when we were doing coverage over at the facility Wes Euler and I got to talk to Omar for a brief second mm -hmm. after it was awesome the draft wrapped up I was listening he wanted to get the hell out of there you know I mean I mean he's he'd like, been doing it all week he just long, did a 20 yeah. minute press right, conference right, right, right. he's trying to sign on drafted right. free agents I got phone calls I got voicemails waiting for me guys come on let's wrap this up but we're talking to him and I'm like you know Omar every single one of these picks just they're big nasty mean mm -hmm. dudes and i was like is that kind of the shift in identity that you're trying to take this team and he was like well i don't think we're shifting anything i think mm -hmm. that's what we always wanted to be but that's what the gm's gonna say right. we know that they haven't really been the nastiest yeah, team I in mean, the nfl the past couple of years when broger jones had his introductory press conference he called himself like that goon he, he had that mean in him and, and mike tomlin said yeah, I mean, that's great that he said that. We may have to, like, kind of teach him how to, you know, talk to the media a little more professionally. But, yeah, that's what we were going for. We wanted yeah. these bigger guys. And and I know Bob Labriola uh, at one point pointed out how, and many people did as well, that the Steelers came in, finished in last place against the run, what, two years ago, and then finished in last place in run offense a couple years, uh, a year before that maybe. And the Steelers addressed all of those issues in this in the in the past three years right they went out and they got Najee Harris or I'm sorry in the last two years they went out and got Najee Harris the actual guy running the ball last year and then in the draft in the very first round uh first time they took an offensive lineman in, in 10 plus years since David DeCastro first time they took a tackle what since people were pointing out like 1997 I think it was yes a long long time ago so it, they the, and then they you look at also the defensive line that that run defense. I mean, in the th granted it was in the third round, but still this is a guy that the Steelers had a first round or a second round talent uh, grade on, and it is just so refreshing to see. And I think Jerry Dulac pointed this out as well. Uh, it was the first time he could remember that the Steelers used each one of their top three picks. Uh, to use or to 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 take a player of which they needed to fix immediately, not just wait until the latter rounds. And it was in the order of which they needed to be fixed, right? The the offensive line, the cornerbacks, and then the defensive line, obviously needing that passing of the torch once Cam Hayward goes. So just an all-around great draft. And Tom, I just think I was every every pick that passed, right? Maybe except for seven B. Every pick that happened, it was just, how did the Steelers get this guy? It seemed like a lot of players were just falling into their yeah. laps. That seemed to be the theme throughout the, the weekend, was that the right guy was mm -hmm. there, even when you were expecting him to probably be gone before then. I agree with that. Back to the nastiness, though, you know, we've heard from the Steelers, their game plan is to kind of zig when everybody's zagging right now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a pass-heavy league. You're trying to, you know, throw the ball 50 times, and... I'm not saying the Steelers are going to, you know, go completely in reverse and have, like, Franco Harris and Rocky Blyer with their hand in the dirt in the backfield, like that kind of old school of an offense. But they're going to try to do a bit of a throwback, get bigger up front, run the ball, have ball control, win the game by controlling the ball on offense, have Pickett make the plays when he needs to, 
and then have your defense really shut teams down and make life easier for your offense to score enough points to get right. the win. And their drafting and their free agency all offseason is in line with exactly what they're saying their plan is. And I know that some people out there might be like, well, yeah, why would they say one thing and then act another way? You don't always do that on purpose, but sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, on accident, you're in the heat of the moment and you take Jackson Smith and Jigba in the first round or something like that. They are following their plan, and that's what right. is really refreshing to me. And Look at a front office just across the street in town of a team that tells you one thing and then the front office doesn't follow. The, like mm-hmm. the Penguins said they wanted to get bigger, and they got a bunch of small, fast, right. not even that fast, but small no. guys. Like they're not following the plan that they said. Mm-hmm. The Steelers are following the plan to a T. We want big, nasty nope. dudes. We want to get that <laughs> running game back up to the standard. We need to protect Kenny. We need to get nastier on defense. And everything they did in this draft, th- the players that they've brought in in free agency this year, they all checked those boxes. Sure, Holcomb and Roberts at linebacker might not be you know superstars, but they're mean. They play mm-hmm. hard. They'll hit you. Pop you in the mouth and run support. That's the kind of identity that the Siamalu is maybe the nastiest yeah, dude right. they have on the offensive line right, right now. Everything they're doing well, in this offseason. Him and Broderick Jones, maybe, yeah. Everything they're doing in this offseason is just in line with what they said they envisioned their future being. And that's really encouraging because you're building it the right way, at Not, least from the ground up, right? And, now. and like I mentioned, you know, on those top three picks, and then you go four out of five because you include Nick Herbig, right, in that group. I include of, him as a nasty dude, too. Well, I, I mean, include him also as a good pick yes. addressing an area of need. But what's so crazy to me, Tom, is that you look at the grades, you look at the comments about Corey Trice Jr., the, the 7A pick. I mean, yeah, he's a seventh-round pick, but people are saying, I know for PFF, PFF was giving the Seagulls so much credit because their top six picks were all on the PFF's top 80 big board. Yeah, Corey and, Trice falling was, it's one of those, is this too good to be true things? Yeah. But in the seventh round, like who cares? It doesn't them. matter. Yeah. And now... It time like I mean, there is no like organization to this, but the fact that we've gone this long without naming Darnell Washington also because we we've talked about adding tough guys and Broderick Jones and Benton on the lines, Herbig as a guy who can help out on the defense, Joey Porter Jr. obviously, and then Corey Trice being a very great value pick. All of those positions, right? D line, offensive line, cornerbacks, and inside linebackers slash edge rushers needing depth. All areas of need. We had we had come on the show what two weeks ago at this point and ranked the positions on the team of which we think needed to be addressed in the draft, and we put tight end DFL very bottom because of the re-signing of Zach Gentry. That's the only luxury pick they took. This but draft. it was but I mean, like, how it. could you, you disagree with that pick? Plus, and Darnell Washington. It's also a blocking tight end. Yes, first. exactly. Like he people is... think he's got the potential to grow into a playmaker, mm-hmm. but that's the potential side of it. They already know he's good at running. Right. Running. You look at his size and you look at his strength, and 100 percent, the Steelers should employ like a. At all times, at least a twelve or even a thirteen man set. If they, if they, if they really want to get back to running the football with drafting Broderick Jones and signing Big Ike and drafting Darnell Washington and re-signing Zach Gentry, all huge dudes. Like Dale was saying all the time over the weekend with Darnell Washington too. Like he's one of the few guys in college that is an inline tight end. Like he lines up with his shoulder attached to the tackle mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. You know. A lot of tight ends, they like to split them out wide. They like to detach them from the line in college. 
because you're not really run blocking with your tight ends that much in college. Tight ends in college are playmakers, but he was diff- He made plays. I mean, you saw the highlight package. He was hurling people in the field for Georgia uh, last year, but he was a running with Brock Bowers in Georgia. That's your playmaking right. tight end. He was a run blocking tight end first, playmaker second. And I kind of love the dynamic that he had at Georgia to apply that to the dynamic that he has here. Like, he was never going to be as good as Brock Bowers at Georgia. He had to be that second fiddle. Oh, yeah. He had to be the guy that kind of did the dirty work for them. Same thing here. You're never really going to be, at least I predict you'll never be as good as Pat as far as a playmaker as a play is concerned. Maker, right, 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 but, right. hey, this is the same as, I've, as it was at Georgia for me. I'll be that number mm-hmm. two. I'll be that run, you know, heavy guy. And I, I'm not, you know, just saying he's a one-trick pony either. Like, two to three years down the road, he might develop into a very fine pass catcher and a problem for a lot of teams. And the red zone potential already, I think, is, is massive. Just a six foot seven, mm-hmm. you know, two hundred and seventy pound frame. Just throw up those jump balls for the dude. But you know, he doesn't have to worry about developing into this amazing playmaker right away. And a lot of the raw skill set that he has can, you know, incubate while he mm-hmm. he's number three on the depth chart right now. There's no pressure for him right. at all. He can move up to number two. He can move two. up to Gentry's spot, yeah. and, and they'll use Washington, even if he is number three on the depth chart, they'll over him, Gentry yeah. in certain packages for sure. But, I mean, the guy, not only do I think the Steelers, you know, were lucky to have him kind of fall down to 93 where they could pick him, he, I think, landed in a pretty favorable spot for himself as well. A lot of teams would have picked him, I think, and been, like, attracted to him. You're our guy right away. We need you to be a playmaker. Mm-hmm. That's not the case with the Steelers. Right. Kid gloves, baby. We can handle this guy with kid gloves. And and really with a tight end, you know, Matt Williamson says all the time it takes a couple years for them to really reach their prime more than other positions. I like handling that position with kid gloves. Yeah, right. Especially given what Matt said about it takes time for that position to really grow into their role and the fact that he is going to start probably at number three on the depth chart and can only make his way up. There really is no rush. There really does. There really is no pressure to get him to be the physical player that you think he can be at a professional level compared to just the college level. So absolutely, it's just we're talking about our fourth round draft pick as if he was Third. the fir- number ninety three. Sorry, the the number four draft the number pick four the draft day, pick of, of the, the team. Round, yes, of the, the as draft. if he was a number one pick, as if he was even a second round pick, but he was taken with the I mean, Tom, too. Like, where are we? Where are we going to go with this episode? Do we talk about the picks themselves or how the picks were made? Right, because like I said at the beginning, they had first round grades on Jones, Porter Jr., and Benton, and they wanted all three, and they got all three, but they got Benton at forty nine. They traded back to ninety three to get the pick that they used to take Nick Herbig, and still got Darnell Washington, even though they moved back thirteen picks later. Where do you want to go? Do you want to credit the guys or the guy who made the picks in Omar Khan? Oh, we'll credit Omar in a second. But talking about the picks in general, you know, saying how guys kind of fell into their lap, Broderick Jones, obviously your, your number one pick at number 14. But, like, mm-hmm. we thought Joey Porter Jr. might go at number 17. So, Tom, they got here's him at 32. We thought Keanu Benton could go at 32, and he went at 49. Right. We thought Darnell Washington could go at 49, and he went at 93. We thought they could take Herbig at number 93, and they got him at 132. Like, every time they decided to wait for a guy, he was – pretty much there there. for them so i don't know if that's you know i I think a little bit of luck goes into that a lot but that's a lot of due diligence too from the scouting department from omar from everybody to be like you know what 
I think Benton has a chance to make it to 49. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure a lot of teams are as high on him as we are or need a defensive lineman like we do from picks 32 to 49. So, you know, I just think that you worry about giving, you know, people too much credit on something like a draft, but this looked like a master class in all all aspects, the players picked Mm -hmm. and how the players got picked. I mean... Jumping up in front of the Jets to get oh, Broderick wow. Jones is, is such a massive... They they were 100% going to take him. Yes. And maybe you got a little lucky that the team in front of the Jets was Bill Belichick, and, you know, he doesn't, he's no stranger Certainly. to sticking it to the... He's probably sitting in the warm going, well, they're going to take Broderick Jones, aren't they? No, they're not. <laughs> get me Omar on the phone right I, now. It's kind of... I don't know if... But you had to jump in front of him if you're, if you're Omar. Yeah, Because absolutely. the Jets take him... And now all of the real tackles are, are mm-hmm. gone. And they probably take Porter Jr. They probably take Christian Gonzalez and at that, that point. Kind of screws everything up. Yeah. But he was aggressive. He was the con artist, as Tomlin liked to dub him as at Tomlin the end of it. And Omar Khan himself wasn't a big fan of It's going to grow on him, okay. now, I'm sure. But he saw that a move had to be made, and he was aggressive in making that move, just like he was aggressive trading back. Uh in the second day of the draft mm-hmm. to try to recoup that fourth round pick that they used on Nick Herbig. I mean, A plus for I mean, the players and then A plus for Omar in right. his first stint as the GM. But and, I think it's important to note, note that, yes, first stint as GM, but he had been a part of this process right. in this organization for so many years that I think that's why it was such an easy transition. It's not like this was the first so well. time in the war room he was, with an NFL He showed team. up on Thursday night. He knew where the coffee machine was. He knew where everything was at the facility comfortable. And I think that was as big as anything for him having such a great first draft in the captain's chair. Absolutely. It's just when the offseason started and you saw the moves, right, retooling at the inside linebacker position, adding, what, four different offensive linemen before the draft, maybe even five offensive linemen. And th- no, adding, that- adding, adding a veteran and Patrick Peterson the corner, in, in yes. a corner room, in a cornerback room where you lost your starter, Cam Sutton, uh, re-signing DeMonte KC to ease the loss of uh, T- Terrell Edmonds. This was a very, this was already what people were saying, or what people were grading as a very good offseason for I'm using air quotes, first-time GM, because, yes, it's the first time he has that title, but it's not the first time he's done GM duties or the due diligence. People said that, you know, the job of calling around and and trying to move up and getting, you know, valuation for their picks and seeing who wants to trade. Like, they said Omar did that with Kevin. Like, that Mm -hmm. was kind of his thing, was was working the phones and seeing who was interested in their picks. So that was kind of old hat for him, and it kind of showed because he— Seemed very Master, comfortable and masterfully and, did it and wheeled and dealed some pretty nice. And moves one here. thing that I'd like to point out too is when the Tennessee Titans moved up to pick 33, trading with Arizona. I bet you the Steelers were bending them over a barrel on that one for 30. Like, I bet you the Titans wanted 32 and the Steelers were just. Well, what I thought was interesting was the, tr- the actual facts of the trade, the actual the pieces, and the Titans, like the fact that. Arizona was happy to give up. I thought it was not enough for the for from the, the Cardinals Titans. for the Cardinals to, to get back. back. Yeah, and I I just thought it was incredibly just he did his, like you mentioned he did his due diligence. He did his due diligence. He was just very calm in that. Seat. Well, to your point, the Titans kind of underwhelming their right. offer to the Cardinals, but the Cardinals still taking it. 
I think that the Titan conspiracy theory time, but okay, not really. Watching the TV when they were up at number 32, there was a clip in the war room of Omar on the phone talking, and people were, like, okay, smiling so, watching so, him. Like, Tomlin was grinning. Like, right. So, and it looked like he was being, like, kind of aggressive. Uh-huh. Maybe that was Tennessee, and he was like, that ain't going to cut so, this. You need to give us more. And Tennessee passed, so we took JPJ, and then they worked it out with Arizona. It's funny you That's bring, how I think it went down. It's funny you bring that up. Because when I saw that, whenever you ES- thought they were going to trade, when it, no, 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 whenever ESPN or NFL Network, whichever one I was watching, showed the footage of the war room, I didn't see Omer on the phone. I saw Tomlin on the phone, and I and he was smiling and he was he was talking he was talking happily to whoever was on the other end. And you I thought, probably saw the call to JPJ. I was like. There, he's not going to be like talking to a GM, be like, "Oh, whoop!" No, that was the JPJ. That was the JPJ call. Yeah, yeah. I was like, "Okay, he's talking to the pick." There's no so way we're they're trading. Pick. We're picking here at 32. We're not trading back. And I, I, I think they really liked Joey Porter Jr. So that mm-hmm. Titans offer or whoever offer had to be overwhelming. I just thought back because they were going to move back with the risk that JPJ would be gone at that point. I just thought Omar on day one was aggressive which is what we wanted him to do because, like you said, Tom, had they not been aggressive, Broderick Jones would have gone and all of the actual tackles that you wanted in the first round would have been taken and you would have had you would have been left with maybe going with Joey Porter Jr., but it would have messed up the rest of your draft. He was aggressive when it needed to be and he was disciplined further along in, in days two and three, such at and the best example of that was for pick 32 – it wasn't enough, and why not just take the guy that you had a first-round talent on 15 picks earlier? Hey, guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball. We do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay. So you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah. Like, check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, you know, hey, <laughs> hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. But I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. With JPJ and the corner situation, you know, Corey Trice is in this boat as well, Mm -hmm. and Pat Peterson, which is, again, I think just executing a plan and vision that they want. They want to get into press man a lot more. They want physical corners. They want to play one-on-one matchups, jam you at the line of scrimmage. Joey Porter Jr. does that. Corey Trice does that. Corey Trice is six foot three. He's just as long as Joey Porter Jr. These are big, incredibly intimidating. Yeah. But who's one of the masters at that? who's a, a godfather, if you will, of that kind of style of cornerback play, his name is Mr. Patrick Peterson, right. and now he's the mentor for right. these guys. So, Pat, not only is it nice to have Joey Porter Jr. lined up on the outside to Patrick Peterson to start right now, 
but it's a similar style that they want Joey Porter Jr. Right. to play. You know, it's not like Joe Hayden's the mentor to Joey Porter Jr. Still would be great, just a kind of a different style of cornerbacking. This is a guy that not only is probably going to make it to the Hall of Fame, but he's going to make it to the Hall of Fame based on the mold, based on the archetype player mm-hmm. that you are if you're Joey Porter Jr. So, I mean, not only did you bring in a veteran to help stabilize that cornerback room, I don't think you could have gotten a better veteran, and obviously you didn't know that right, back then. Right, but right, right, right now, right. looking at it, I mean, but the better, with Porter better, Jr. and the better Corey veteran Trice, for the situation for the players perfect. you're bringing in alongside him, he's perfect. So everywhere you look, there's just boxes being checked and things that make you super excited. If you're a Steelers fan with the free agency and the draft class, and and another thing that I want to bring up is they're shopping at the right store. Mm-hmm. Every single pick. Big right. Ten, SEC. Not even just SEC, but the two-time Georgia. defending national champions. Yeah. Like, you're going to the two best conferences in college football. It's three picks right. from Georgia in the last two years. You are shopping at the right store. And I'm not saying that, you know, you can't find a star at the ACC. Yeah, you right. can't find a star in the MAC. Right. We know that. Ben Rommelberger. Mm-hmm. Steelers find stars in the MAC all the time. But... The produce is always going to be a little bit better at those other conferences. Mm-hmm. The bigger ones, right. When the conferences, you know, when, when conference realignment happens again, Big Ten and the SEC are going to be the super conferences standing at the very end of this thing. So you're shopping at the right store. You're getting quality players. And then I thought it was funny. Their first announced undrafted free agent was also from the Big right. Ten, Minnesota right. quarterback um, Tanner Morgan. They did sign some other undrafted free agents from outside of those two conferences, but you know, we asked no more about that as well. You know, you're you're buying you're buying you're getting kids from big These time schools, schools and yeah. big time conferences, and and not only do you know that they're kind of treated as a professional within their own university. You know, you play at Penn State, you're a pro football player. You know, that weight room, you tell me that weight room's not up to NFL. State. It's probably oh, better than some maybe, NFL standards. Maybe better, right? So you're you're getting that kind of. I know Georgia's is better than a lot oh, of yeah. NFL teams. So you're getting that kind of treatment from your own situation. But if I'm a GM, if I'm a scout, I'm, I'm, I'm going, Roger Jones was blocking against Tennessee, blocking against Alabama, Will Anderson. like All of these players in the draft at the top that are elite defensive players, this dude saw them all the time mm-hmm. and did a great job against them. Penn State, Joey Porter Jr., this guy played C.J. Stroud mm-hmm. and played him well. This guy had to go up against the top two quarterback pick this year. Like, mm-hmm. Not only do they have the infrastructure within their own university at these big schools to help them get ready for a pro, Pro lifestyle, but the competition that they're going up against has to make you feel more confident in your evaluation because you know you look at a Mac guy dominating, you have to factor in he's playing who is he dominating against? Like right. I have to figure out is he that good and it'll translate to the NFL or is everybody else just not up to his level at this uh, mm. stage of college mm. football? You don't have to do that with guys like Broderick Jones, no. with Joey Porter Jr., with Keanu Benton. You know. They played NFL players throughout right. their college They're career. playing against the Ohio States and the Michigans and the Penn States. And, I mean, I'm looking at Wisconsin. He, they played against Joey Porter Jr., right? Uh, you look at the Alabamas and the SEC and so many great schools. It's, it's, it's kind of like a two-edged sword, double-edged sword, because you think that, oh, maybe you did find that diamond in the rough from a smaller school like a, like a Memphis last year with Calvin Austin, right, or or as you mentioned, Ben coming out of the Mac, but you look, at, it, it would just kind of be foolish to see these bigger players and big, bigger named players and kind of just say, 
Well, we could we could go for the Blue Bloods, or we could try to find the diamond in the rough from a school that no one else was really looking at. And honestly, Tom, this is the first time in recent memory that I can think of where all all the picks by the Steelers, what all what seven picks in total they made, came from just big school, only SEC and only Big Ten schools. I can't remember it either recently when that happened. And how about the fact that not only that, but two Wisconsin guys and two Georgia two guys. guys to join the Wisconsin right. and Georgia guys that they already have on their roster. You see the video of uh, Herbig and and um, Watt on the sidelines at Wisconsin, like yes, working TJ out. Came yeah, back yeah. TJ for, was teaching him. Yeah, 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 yeah showing yeah. him some swim moves yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah. like that. Well, you get paid. That's to only learn. gonna help. Now yeah. you get paid to learn yeah, from yeah, TJ right, Watt, right, right. young Mister Herbig and. I think it's funny. I'm not the guy that's like, oh, they keep getting brothers. I actually think that's kind of cool. Brothers are on the team again. Herbig signed, and then Herbig got drafted this year for the Steelers. So, and it's only an that? incentive for them to, in a way, hey, I mean, you to got play brother- better, to stay on the team together, right? And you know what? I'm sure Nick Herbig is going to have a lot more comfortable of a transition rooming with Big Bro. And didn't Nate camp. Herbig say the only guy I can't block against is Nick <laughs> Herbig? Because <laughs> he feels too bad about it, yeah. Probably going to have to change yeah, that yeah, one, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure you're going to be seeing each other a couple times at St. Vincent this year. We're going to grade our draft, each pick and the draft in general in the next episode. But before we get to that, to wrap this one up, Jacob, just not the best pick in your mind. What's your favorite pick that the Steelers made? Uh, uh, mine was Darnell. I, it has to be Darnell Washington, right? Because it as— the only luxury pick they took, but, oh, when God, you were When we were there at 80— I thought, okay, great. I wanted he's, to take him then. We were texting there. each other. We were like, take him yeah, now. Yeah, right. Take it him has now. to be take then. Now. And then you saw the trade back, and we said, okay, you know, you can still get someone solid at 93, but then you get, what, the 132 pick? You yeah. get the pick so back like, that you lost. We, we thought Washington was done, but we're and fine with it. 13 picks later, we're there. like, he's still there. I feel like that is exactly how it happened in the war room, too. They yeah. were like, kind of early to take Washington right now. Let's trade back and get some capital back that we had given up to move up for Broderick Jones. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see where, you know, things fall 13 picks from now. And then as the board keeps going and he's still there, they're like, huh, mm-hmm. well, we got to just take him now. Like, we, we couldn't take him at 80, but we got to take him at 93. I mean, that's just inexcusable. It was just... Know. And the, I, we talked... The big thing about why'd he fall, why'd he fall, why'd he fall, right. and the knee was the thing that came up. But it was weird. Like, everybody said knee, but no one could tell you what happened to the knee mm-hmm. or how long the injury was. So we asked Omar about that, and he just had that, like, kind of, like, shake his head kind of look that was like, yeah, if his knee was a problem, we would not have taken it right. at all. So. And I think the other great thing about the Darnell Washington pick was at 80, we were saying, as you were not, as you said, we were texting each other, the two picks that you wanted at that spot at 80 were Trenton Simpson and Darnell Washington. Trent Simpson would not be considered a luxury pick at all. That's an absolute need that would be addressed by taking him. And then he went shortly after to the Ravens, which kind of stung, especially noting how good that linebacker room is now in Baltimore. But you, I also thought to myself, oh, well, there goes one, so that means that the other domino also has to fall. Darnell won't be there. So both guys that we were looking at at number 80 weren't going to be there at 93. But it turns out the more exciting pick was the one who lasted all the way to 93. It was just this, it was just the way it happened, I think, was the more exciting part. If you took him in 80, it would have been awesome. You know, It would have been nice to have help at the inside linebacker position with Trenton Simpson, but it's great that we got this huge guy that could help us on the offensive line and be a receiving option for, for Kenny as well. But it was the way that you traded back. You got back a pick in the fourth round, 
and he was still there 13 picks later. That was the most exciting part for me. By the way, Trenton Simpson, yeah, he was a pretty good prospect for this inside linebacking class. But overall... He was not even the best linebacker at Clemson, mm -hmm. and Jeremiah Trotter Jr. is expected to come out next year and is expected to be a top 15, top mm -hmm. 10 pick. So you overall, wonder, was Simpson kind of helped a little bit at Clemson by, by having the, class, the son yeah. of Jeremiah oh, Trotter yeah, Sr. roam in the middle of the field at Clemson as well? So that, that's a guy... Early, little 2024 mock drafting... That's a guy that the Steelers mm -hmm. would definitely think about. Mm -hmm. He's a first-round prospect. It's just kind of sure. one of the. You remember when Tomlin? So I, I'm not worried. Like Trenton Simpson was nice, but I afterwards I see a lot more people saying, you know, yeah, he's a project and he's got potential, but he wasn't even the best player at that position last year at his college. You know, um, you know that that video that came out a while ago, um, with Tomlin when, when Pittsburgh was playing the Commanders, and Tomlin went up to Chase Young and said. Man, I hope my team is never bad enough to, to get, get a guy like you. That's kind. Of, I mean, not to say that. Yeah, that's Trotter kind of what Trotter Junior probably will end up being. Just not, they're not to say bad that he'd be to like him. top five, but still in that. You don't want this. You don't want the Steelers to be in a position to get Trotter. You don't want the Steelers to even be in the top fifteen next year. That's what so. I'm saying. You want. You don't want that to happen. Yeah. So, uh, Trenton Simpson would have definitely filled a need, but I think he got a better player. I agree. I kind of agree. You can subscribe right now to the Steelers Standard. Every episode we do is available for you to download. Subscribe today through the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, wherever you find your podcasts. We are going to grade the draft next, each pick, and then an overall grade. Super original stuff. Yes. Not cliche at all. No. And it comes to you next on the Steelers Standard. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.